From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, March 7th. Plans for a new uranium mill in Green River are underway. A Colorado-based energy company recently purchased a plot of land just west of town. And according to a press release, the permitting process for the mill has already begun. KZMU's Emily Arnson reports. A company called Western Uranium and Vanadium says it has big plans for the next uranium comeback. In addition to the Green River Mill, the company announced that they were also going to resume operations at the Sunday Mine Complex in western Colorado. But some people are skeptical that any of these plans will pan out. As of right now, uranium isn't booming. There's a lot, just a lot of speculation, and the price of uranium still isn't high enough to support new mines, a new mill. Sarah Fields is a public health and environmental advocate with an organization called Uranium Watch. She says she's seen this kind of thing before. Energy companies put out press releases that make all kinds of claims about the nuclear renaissance. They get investors to get excited. Oh, there's high-grade uranium here in these old mine sites. Investors pour money into these companies. And then nothing happens. And they're allowed to do this. You can read all the various financial reports so anybody can look at that. And then they take this money and pay themselves as consultants. If the Green River Mill ever comes to fruition, Utah would be home to both of the country's uranium mills. The only other mill that's currently open is in White Mesa, Utah, just 130 miles south of the proposed mill in Green River. Most of the country's mills have closed because the demand for uranium is so low. In fact, the mill in White Mesa hasn't processed normal uranium ore since 2012. Instead, they make most of their money by importing radioactive waste from other mills and mines. They get paid to take radioactive waste off of other people's hands, and then they process that waste, which makes a very small amount of usable material. Unless uranium does start booming again, it's not clear if current demand would support another mill. Western Uranium CEO George Glacier did not respond for comment. Glacier is also the former owner of the company that operates the mill in White Mesa. As of right now, the town of Green River has yet to be officially involved in the mill's development process. Green River Mayor Ren Hat. There's been no conversations among elected officials. There's been no presentation to city council. There's been no all entering into an agreement. Uh, they've asked our water and sewer superintendent about capacity issues. So if we were to build in this area that we're buying, is it possible you could provide us water? You know, like, so like those type of questions, if they choose to buy water from Green River City, that's something that is absolutely has to be entered into an agreement with, with the council. Uranium mills require a lot of water, and this could be a limiting factor for the project. Water concerns for the new mill echo other issues with previous proposals in Green River. In 2021, the Blue Castle nuclear reactor stopped development because the company could no longer afford their water agreement. The important thing is just to follow it, to keep in touch with whatever information, whatever applications that they submit, because a uranium mill next to Green River would not be beneficial in the long run. For KZMU, I'm Emily Arnson. A new report shows that public land conservation has lagged over the past decade, but the number of acres protected in our region varies widely by state. The Mountain West News Bureau's Caleb Radel has more. Since 2013, Utah has protected more than 2 million acres of public land. 
They're ranked second in the West after California, according to the Center for Western Priorities. Utah is followed by New Mexico and Nevada. Each has protected more than a million acres. Colorado's conserved a little more than a third of that, and Idaho's protected around a quarter million acres. Meanwhile, Wyoming hasn't protected a single acre. Kale Century Reno is the director of the conservation group Wyoming Wilderness Association. We have to get everybody to the table. So you need the ranchers, you need the tribal voices, you need the conservationists, people in communities that need to know where their water's coming from. She says Wyoming also needs elected officials who push for conservation, as seen in other states. Last year, leaders in Colorado worked to help secure permanent protections for Camp Hale, the first new national monument created by President Biden. For the Mount West News Bureau, I'm Caleb Bradle. Anyone traveling outside of Moab for a doctor's appointment, shopping, seeing family— is likely very familiar with Interstate 70. The over 2,000-mile stretch of highway can draw a lot of use and a lot of attention, especially the three-hour section between Glenwood Springs and Denver, Colorado. It has frequent closures, and lately it's gained a lot of news coverage, even an Instagram page. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Haddison Rensberry reports. According to a Pew Research survey from 2021, approximately half of Americans get at least some of their news from social media. Although platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit can be rife with misinformation, in some cases the people managing the pages want travelers to be aware of safety concerns or road conditions. That is the case with I-70 Things. Now an outdoor media brand, the page began as a collection of the strange and unusual happenings on a road that often features standstill traffic. As the page has evolved, there are still goofy antics and strange things strapped to small cars, but now the community submissions include up-close and personal videos of dangerous driving and jackknifed semi-trucks. Like everyone else, I myself have been stuck on I-70 plenty of times. Uh, I have sat in traffic. I've sat during closures. That was brand founder Alejandro Brown. Say there's an accident at in Glenwood Canyon and you're right behind it, you're literally the first person to know. And with that, by submitting something into I-70 things, I'm able to put that up pretty much instantaneously. That knowledge is super helpful because it saves people time and money too, because they're not just idling on the highway all day. The consistency of these closures, right, and how it affects everyday people like to do basic things. It's not just tourists, for example, going skiing all the time, driving on in Colorado. I mean, it affects the locals, right? With a detour that adds more than two and a half hours, Coloradans are committing to more than just taking the scenic route when traveling across the state without monitoring road conditions on CDOT or other sources. Followers of the page often thank Brown for helping to inform their travel plans. Safety is a really big thing for me, but also, I mean, decreasing the volume of vehicles on the road. And so, for example, if there are going to be lane closures for a certain week at certain times, CDOT does convey that information over to me so that I can provide that to the community. I do work with Ride Busting and Pegasus in order to kind of help decrease the amount of vehicles on the road at any given time via carpooling. You know, by highlighting them as options for travel, especially through the mountain corridor, there are people who don't feel comfortable driving in the snow, but for example, have to go to that doctor's appointment, right? Or go see family, whatever it may be. And 
you know, if we can decrease the amount of vehicles on the road and make the, you know, the road safer as well, that's a win-win for everyone. What is your favorite kind of content to receive from people? I'd say the most valuable information is definitely when an incident occurs and it isn't, um, say, known yet, right? There hasn't been a traffic alert or, you know, an article written or whatever it may be, right? It's the community helping out the community. And those, those are huge because they help people either avoid a certain stretch of the highway or, of course, stay home or leave early or whatever it may be. You see um, also people, you know, kind of camping chairs just parked outside their vehicle if it's a nice day out and mingling with their fellow traffic buddies. <laughs> yeah, traffic has never looked so fun than more than the points where you post photos of people sitting in traffic in their lawn chairs. Yep, just hanging exactly. out on a summer night because they don't really have anywhere to be or if they do, they're not getting there anyways. Yep, exactly. It's, you know, you can't really control it. So, I mean, I stress being prepared. Being prepared looks different a lot of times, but, you know, obviously food and water, some snacks and camping chair too. <laughs> Another favorite submission Brown recently received was the video of Carbondale-based band Elk Range serenading a snowy crowd of travelers installed traffic. In the future, Brown intends to bring I-70 things into further collaboration with transportation services and with outdoor brands. I'm Hattison Rensbury. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, March 7th. You can find the newscast anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.